You're listening to a Baltimoreans special edition. <laughs> this is going to be uh, episode 57, sub-episode B. Indeed. Sub-episode A doesn't exist. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's Independence Day. It's July 4th, and uh, as we take a day to think about the things about our great nation that are excellent and good... And as a series of baseball players try out onto the field to play the game that we all love under a beautiful blue sky, uh, and in many ways represent what is the best about America. We thought it would be good to remind you that there are certain aspects of our national pastime which represent the worst of America. <laughs> Those parts, of course, are often the ownership structures that allow the Major League Baseball organization to grind inexorably forward. Alan Smith and Scotty the Intern collaborated a while back on a very expansive research project outlining some of this. We recorded it at one point. I say at one point because I don't exactly remember when it was. And uh, doesn't matter. Ended up not having <laughs> uh, space for it in the episode for which it was intended. So we offer it to you today when it is more uh, appropriate and in line with our cynical, sad, rotten hearts uh, feelings. On this July 4th of Enjoy. 2013. Enjoy. Baltimoreans. You're listening to Baltimoreans, the home of the all weather fan. My name is Sam Dingman. And this is Alan Smith. Now, Sam, on this show, we like to complain about Peter Angelos. Yeah, oh, oh. Uh, it gives me a raging boner to do so. <laughs> and Peter's, you know, different ownership stylings. And as you all know out there in Moron's Nation, uh, I put much of my own mental anguish, personal suffering, and inability to succeed at things I do squarely in Mr. Angelo's lap over the last 15 years. But it turns out, on closer examination, that in the racist, sexist, conservative good old boy network that is Major League Sports Ownership, Mr. Angelo's is actually not that bad. Oh, boy. Um... So uh, the question becomes, uh, as we clamor for him to sell the team or to uh, maybe allow the team to become a non-profit benefiting the city of Baltimore, how bad exactly is Mr. Angelos? Um, and as you will, uh, as you no doubt know as regular listeners to this program, we here at Baltimoreans value rigorous sabermetri sabermetrics in all ways. So... I set out to quantify, in a mathematical certain sort of a way, exactly how bad Mr. Angelos is. Uh, and with the help of some amazing internet research, Scotty the Intern, uh, and a Mother Jones article entitled, Is Your Team Owner a Major League Asshole? Spoiler alert, the answer is yes. <laughs> uh, as well as a few other choice sites, um, I've come up with a list of the top 10 worst Major League Baseball owners of all time. Okay. Peter Angelos is, by comparison to these fellows, a fairly reasonable dude. <laughs> I And I, I would like to say to our listeners, Alan has not shared this list with me. <laughs> so I'm going to be finding out in real time along with you. So one uh, quick methodology question. How did we come up with this bottom 10 list? It was a tricky matrix um, because we wanted to include a series of things. Some owners won games and funded their franchise well while also being huge assholes. Mm. See George, Steinbrenner. Mm. Uh, or I should say Stein George, comma, Steinbrenner, comma, George. No, no, his middle name is comma. 
Who knew? Others weren't necessarily bad people, but sure didn't know how to manage a team or couldn't be bothered with the whole paying the players thing. So intern Scotty and I worked up a complex scoring system that factors in baseball acumen, financial baseball skullduggery, and away from baseball assholery. And here's what we came up with. (laughs) Number 10, Jim Crane, the current owner of the Houston Astros. Okay. Not only uh, is Jim Crane currently fielding a team that would lose to many a AAA squad, Mm -hmm. but Jim Crane's company was forced to pay a federal government more than $4.3 million to settle charges of war profiteering. Wait, related to contracts in Iraq. Let me read that again. He was forced to settle charges about war profiteering with with the federal government. With the federal government based on his company's investments in Iraq, which begs the question, would the Astros have a higher payroll, they are currently a payroll of 27 million dollars, if Crane were just a little bit better at profiting off of loss and human suffering? <laughs> That's also particularly amazing because the last time I checked, our government actively encourages war profiteering. <laughs> By and private don't, companies. Don't worry, it's not just your light treasons. The Crane Company also settled after an Equal Employment Opportunity Commission investigation found rampant racial and gender discrimination in his organization and alleged that Crane himself had told employees that, quote, once you hire blacks, you can never fire them. Oh, right, I did. That was in the Mother Jones thing, right? Yeah, that's yeah. a pull quote right there. <laughs> by the way, that Mother Jones piece, I would say, as vital to um american culture as the revelation of the mitt romney 47 percent videos or <laughs> slightly more i mean you don't really expect someone to have as much money as it would take to own a professional sports franchise to be a out and out good person right i think usually accumulating billions of dollars has some you have to have some skeletons in your closet mm-hmm. but it was really alarming to read that article and see just how many skeletons there were where so and this this uh, Jim Crane is number 10. Number 10. So it's going to get worse from here. We're only going downhill. Okay, great. Number nine. Anyone who's ever owned the Cubs ever. <laughs> so apparently being a part of club Cubs ownership is not only guarantees a losing team. It also comes with the territory of being something of an asshole. The Tribune Company, which owned the Cubs from 1981 until the 2000s, was mostly just inept. Um, They allowed Greg Maddox, for example, to walk for the Braves, where he then went on to win three consecutive Cy Young Awards and was replaced on the Cubs roster with Jose Guzman, who posted a 4-7 ERA in 34 starts over two seasons before leaving baseball entirely. Uh, Jose Guzman, a.k.a. the Goose. (laughs) Now, is that better or worse, though, than letting letting, uh, uh, Greg Maddox walk? Uh, Is that better or worse than current owner Joe Ricketts? releasing an actual written plan to defeat the, quote, metrosexual black Abe Lincoln, also known as Barack Obama. (laughs) Oh, I knew before you you said Barack Obama that that's who you were talking about. Uh, The Ricketts family, which owns the team through a trust, also spent about $14 million on elections last year, which could have gone towards someone to replace Carl's Mammel, who is not actually a closer. (laughs) No, no, no. No, he is not. Um, so, yeah, sorry, you're saying that the Ricketts family mm-hmm. contributed $14 million? Uh, to a different election campaigns last year. Almost all of which of them were Republican. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Good chunk of change. And they're, and they're paying, between that and paying Alfonso Soriano <laughs> to strike out. They're just lighting piles of money on fire every year. I, that's, uh, I mean, that's, uh, I think that's what they call stupid money. It really is. Number eight. 
the Wilpon family, owner of the New York Mets. Ah, now we favorite, already covered favorite whipping children of Baltimore. <laughs> last week, we already covered this orgy of misplaced capitalist greed and disregard for their star players. Um, and uh, you, you can reference, please, the Fix the Mets roundtable from last week. But I will throw in one more fast fact here for uh, those interested. That the Mets stadium, <clears throat> called City Field, <clears throat> excuse me, sold its naming rights to Citigroup in 2006 for $400 million. Do you know what was also happening at that time in 2006? Uh, please, please enlighten. That was shortly after Citigroup had received $45 billion in federal bailout money. Ah, so they sold to Citigroup the rights to name a stadium that was $400 million of absolutely necessary spending of your tax dollars at work. Mm. If mm. only City Field was a nicer stadium. I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, well, it, those are some very good tacos. That's true. Those are good tacos, That's Walter. True. And you can get a microbrew for about eight bucks. <laughs> so they got that going for them. Number seven. Steinbrenner, comma, George. Uh, I'm going to look past the fact here that this is the Yankees on his baseball cap and actually really put the blame for George Steinbrenner on the fact that many of the contracts that free agents are signing these days are so freaking large. Uh, paradoxically, Yankees fans, the money that you just shelled out for the shell of Vernon Wells can be traced back to the boss and his free spending, screw the cap, free agent signing ways. That's I, true. I would put George Steinbrenner as, uh, obviously, he's the man who created the current free agent market. He's yep. someone that we know as that world. And that is, I think, one of the major detrimental problems with baseball today. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, it's really interesting to me that, you know, we, we lately, uh, those kind of like extremely crazy lucrative free agent contracts have started to slacken a little bit, I would say. I mean, I guess there was the Pujols, Pujols one. signing, yeah. But what has taken their place is equally ridiculous contract extensions uh, for, I mean, like, it, it's nice, I guess, to feel like players, instead of testing the free agent market, are uh, dancing with the ones that brought them, so to speak. Hmm. But we're still talking about paying 39 to 42-year-olds $26 million a year to play a game that it's physically impossible <laughs> to play well at that age. That's true. That's true. And, and frankly, uh, begs the question... Is it ever worth that much money to play an essentially silly game? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think anybody would disagree that it, it's never worth that much money. What what is what's nuts about it is that there is such an abundance of evidence that those players are not worth maybe any salary at right. that age, and yet the market still bears those salaries. It it's I mean. It's it's such a, a simultaneous argument for and against unrestrained capitalism. <laughs> it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it, it's double think, right? And like, that's really, I think, what George Steinbrenner personified. Yeah. Did I Number get that six. double think reference right? You nailed it. Oh, you nailed nice. It. Yep. Okay. Number six, David Glass, owner of the Kansas City Royals. Oh, uh, what's this one? He is a cheapskate. Um, I would say on par with Peter Angelos, mm -hmm. um, but has been happy to take the profit sharing money. And pocket the cash while allowing big name free agents to walk away. Well diagnosed, he continues to allow people to just bounce while making a sizable profit off the Royals. But where Glass really comes into his own and why he's ranked number six is where he got his money in the first time, in the first place, which was as president and CEO of Walmart. Oh, and really? And while there, Mr. Glass was asked a question by a reporter with 
holding in the reporter's hand evidence of child labor at a Walmart t-shirt factory in Bangladesh. Right. Uh, and Mr. Glass responded, you and I might perhaps define children differently. Oh, right. Now, this... <laughs> was this a question of quibbling over whether this is 16, 17, or 18-year-old working in the factory? I hope so. No. Ah, good. <laughs> he went on to explain that that looks can be deceiving because Asians are all short. Come on. He didn't say that. He did. And then he ended the interview and walked away. Oh, man. Stay classy, David. Stay classy. Wait, th- this was in the Mother Jones thing as well, right? It was. The- uh, that, but he's uh, that 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 one was referenced in the Mother Jones article, but uh, had to dig a little deeper yeah. to find out what he was actually talking about. Because I I remember seeing the quote, you, uh, "You and I would perhaps define children differently." I didn't know it was so spine tinglingly disgusting. It was good. It's a good one. Um, not only was he denying child labor, but he was making the joke that everyone assumed it was child labor because they were all Asians. No, and he's taking the uh, the money that. Um, the royals get for being under the luxury tax mm-hmm. cap and the, the profit sharing numbers that come with a small market team and he's keeping that money he's keeping the money pocketing it every year and allowing uh your zach Grankies, your david cones your carlos, your beltrans. carlos beltrans to to mosey on to greener pastures oh good good number five this i, I when we started <laughs> with uh jim crane i i was i was skeptical it was gonna get worse <laughs> but it is frank mccourt Uh, This guy has a great list. There's the (laughs) buying the team on borrowed money thing, the messy public divorce and subsequent lawsuit thing, Mm, and of course the fan favorite taking team money to live a lavish lifestyle thing. Um, What I think is the most impressive about Frank McCourt, though, really, is that he managed to become even less desirable than the previous owner, Rupert Murdoch. (laughs) Rupert (laughs) Murdoch. Come on, really? Fox News. I forgot about that. Yep, 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 yep. So he outshone the great and enviable Rupert Murdoch in becoming a just, just a shitbag. Wow. <laughs> did you, uh, did you, in your research about the Dodgers, come? I mean, I did not realize, I or I had forgotten, I guess, that Rupert Murdoch used to own them. Uh, did you come across the name Vladimir Spunt? I did not. Vladimir Spunt. This is the only piece of Dodgers ownership <laughs> trivia that I know, but I, I think it's a pretty good one. I mean, right there, you're already off to a great start. One of the things that came out in the audit of the McCourt family finances is that for, um, I don't know, seven or eight years, uh, there was a gentleman named Vladimir Spunt on the team payroll, and he was being paid um, in excess of six figures a year, uh, maybe seven figures to um send positive vibes oh yeah i did see this guy to the team uh, remotely he was based i believe in russia frustratingly enough they they were they mentioned him only as a russian vibe stander not his name which actually doubles the amazingness of that story <laughs> uh but i mean really that's just the cherry on top yeah yeah i mean to be fair to rupert murdoch he didn't but really own the Dodgers. We don't need Dodgers. to be fair to Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> he just, one of his subsidiaries owned the Dodgers. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I, it was just like it was one of his subsidiaries that uh, harvested the voicemails of uh, various <laughs> English citizens. <laughs> exactly. Right. Number four, Jeff Lurie. Now. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Mar- uh, Marlins. Well, Marlins, but we forget with Jeff that he also once owned the Montreal Expos. What? Yeah. I didn't even know that. So Jeff 
has managed to kill not only the Expos, but appears to be doing the exact same thing live and on camera with the Florida Marlins. He's a baseball team serial killer. He's a baseball team serial killer. Jeff Lurie is to baseball teams as Mitt Romney in Bain Capital is to American <laughs> manufacturing. <laughs> <laughs> and his serial tendency killer ten, his serial killer tendencies are much harped on on this show but on his resume as not only the death of the expos but a giant stadium boondoggle which is currently costing taxpayers in Miami-Dade County anywhere between 1.1 and 2.4 billion dollars a pending lawsuit from the SEC and being a dick to Jose Reyes for no particular reason <laughs> <laughs> like why would you do that it's not needed so if he is uh, if he is a baseball team serial killer, uh, baseball needs a Dexter. Yeah, we really do. Who who would baseball's Dexter be? Rise to the occasion and bump off Jeff Lurie. Yeah, yeah. Who would baseball's Dexter be? We need like a like baseball's. Um, um, it would probably be somebody who looks like Elliot Spitzer, I think. <laughs> you know, because he was kind of like he did the same thing on Wall Street. Um. Okay, okay, we're going to come back to this in a future episode. Sounds good. Baseball Dexter. Think about it. Number three, Marge Scott of the Reds. Mm -hmm. Now, it must be said that the Reds, under Marge's leadership, did win some games uh, and a World Series. However, did they win enough to overcome her referencing her two black outfielders as her, quote, million-dollar N-words? She did not use the euphemism N-words, just for the record, like Uh. I just did. Or how she said, quote, only fruits wear earrings? Or the idea that she supported the, quote, initial efforts of Adolf Hitler, but thought he went a little bit too far? Um, and then, if you, then again, if you're not a fan of the foot-in-mouth racist, homophobic, or anti-Semitic ramblings, how about her being so cheap that she wouldn't pay for sick players to be transported home if they missed the team charter? Or being so insensitive that she literally reacted to the on-field death of a major league umpire? and the subsequent postponement of a Reds opening day game by saying, and I quote, snow this morning and now this. I don't believe it. <laughs> no, come on. I feel cheated. This isn't supposed to happen to us, not in Cincinnati. Snow. Okay, whoa. Hold on. Hold this on. Is, this is after a major league umpire moved toward one of the dugouts, appeared to be signaling for help, collapsed and died of a heart attack. During opening day. Snow this morning. And, and now, now this. this. This isn't supposed to happen to us in Cincinnati? Yep. What What exactly does she think the fair residents of Cincinnati <laughs> deserve? I mean, no disrespect to Cincinnati. <laughs> I've never been. I'm sure it's a very nice place. But we're not talking about... Um, we're not talking about a world-renowned hub of, uh, of American culture here. We're talking about... Uh, we're talking about Cincinnati. It's <laughs> true. Now... We're also, I'm, I'm, Baltimore is not a world-renowned <laughs> hub of American culture, nor is, uh, nor is, uh, I'm forgetting the name, the cities that Kansas all Major City. League Baseball teams play in. Can, well, can, no, Kansas City got barbecue. All right. So, Kansas City. Well, Baltimore's got crabs. Baltimore does have crabs, um, in more ways than one. Um, <laughs> that, that was an unnecessary remark. Um, but Cincinnati, Cincinnati is famous exclusively for the Reds and the Bengals. It's true. So, okay, so maybe what she was saying is that sports opening days are all Cincinnatians have to live for. Still does not hold up. 
she then regifted a um a, someone sent her flowers for a different occasion and she regifted those flowers to the major league baseball umpires association on the man's death what in the world she's a she's a winner now so <clears throat> the thing with marge shot is that i remember reading articles about her uh like when i was a kid and it just being referenced that she was an owner the owner of the reds and that like she had a dog named shotzi and Two dogs, Shotzi 1 and Shotzi 2, who were allowed to free reign of the entire field and pooped often <laughs> right. all over the uh, baseball diamond. And I remember hearing that and thinking, like, oh, what an eccentric. What an eccentric. A, she's well, a lady who owns a major league baseball say, it's team. it's tricky because she's one of the only people in all of my research who uh, broke into this good old boys club. So, right. you, you know, you, you kind of, I kind of wanted to be rooting for her instead of against her. Right. But she just made that very difficult. <laughs> well, it's it's like the Margaret Thatcher thing, right? Yeah, you know? really. In a way, it's cool that she crossed a barrier. Uh, in a way, it's not cool that she was into union busting. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, Marge shot way worse person and way less um, sort of uh, cosmically important <laughs> than Margaret Thatcher. Uh, certainly the latter. I'm not sure about the former. The, the <laughs> Way worse person? Way wor- Oh, Margaret Thatcher was bad news? She doesn't seem like good news. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I do not know enough to comment upon that, that okay. question. Number two. Harry Freeze. Okay. Not ringing any bells. This is the guy that sold Babe Ruth to the New York Yankees. Oh. The owner of the Baltimore of the Boston Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, and while none of the other 16 star Red Sox players that he also sold to the New York Yankees came back to bite him quite like the best player in baseball history... Freeze did manage to acquire a loan from the self-same Yankee organization in which he put up Fenway Park as collateral. What? Yes, that Fenway Park. So for a period of time in the early 20s and uh, the late 20s and early 30s, the Yankees organization literally owned, literally, figuratively, and spiritually owned the farm. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that across that, across the board. I mean, that little Mr. part Freeze of the story was so strapped for cash that he uh, sold Babe Ruth, the best player in baseball, sold sixteen other Red Sox players over the course of a few years to the Yankees, and then also took out a loan against which he put the Fenway as as collateral. In so doing, he ushered in decades of losing and an irrelevance for Boston, gave New York a number of those 27 World Series that we hear so much about, and also it turns out that the if-you-can't-beat-em-buy-em philosophy that was the last decade of Yankees management is a tried-and-true historical methodology. Man, I'm really glad he repaid that loan. (laughs) Yeah, really. Number one, the worst baseball owner of all time. Uh, George W. Bush. Uh, how did I not see this coming? <laughs> Even selling Babe Ruth does not hold a candle to starting two foreign wars, destroying American standards abroad, and becoming the worst domestic president since Herbert Hoover. <laughs> and, and lest you think this was simply me having a political bone to pick, that's true, you have a point, <laughs> but it should also be mentioned that Bush was a pretty bad minority owner whilst in charge, trading semi trading Sammy Sosa to the club, Cubs, and running the team about as well as he'd captained the ship of state a few years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All that's really coming to mind for me, uh, besides uh, uh, blinding white-hot hate <laughs> at the corners of my eyeballs, um, is... But I think this may be the show where we have most revealed our political leanings. This is getting up there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's hard to do a big piece about 
um, major league sports ownership without delving into a little bit about why these people are despicable. Right. Well, and it's, it's not, uh, you know, it's not like we're going to say, uh, that one of these owners is like pioneered the, uh, the practice of serving kale at team dinners. Like, well, one of the funny things about the research is actually Peter Angelos by comparison Stand up dude. Made his money in some pretty decent ways. I mean, he made his money essentially by representing the little guy. Right. In some big lawsuit cases against big tobacco, um, for union work. Um, Ironically enough, (laughs) as these billionaires go... Peter's a pretty good, pretty good guy. Yeah. Well, and you know, of course, obviously, it's better to be a a decent human being in the um, in the co- in the cosmic sense or the in, in the internal sense than it is to be a good major league baseball owner, if, if given the choice. <laughs> if given the choice. But it is interesting to me that it has to be such a wide gulf. <laughs> Like, why do we have to pick one or the other? You'll notice also that my list um, skewed toward the people being the most ridiculously uh, socially unacceptable mm-hmm. and away from, with the exception of Harry Freeze, um, just bad baseball managers. Mm-hmm. There was also a, a whole cadre of people who were just not good at their jobs, um, a- including someone like the Cubs trading away Greg Maddox and, and a series of other examples of people who just didn't make good baseball decisions and watch the team suffer. Right. But it just didn't seem like that quite, in most cases, crested to our, a top 10 list, given our matrices of um, um, bad at baseball management, baseball-themed skullduggery, and mm-hmm. general asshole. Ethical bankruptcy. Indeed. <laughs> Happy Independence Day, ladies and gentlemen. You have been listening to a special edition of Baltimoreans designed to really make you feel shitty about the day of baseball you just spent watching on this, the 4th of July, and America's birthday. If you're surprised that you've just wasted another 30 to 45 minutes listening to a Baltimoreans episode that makes you feel bad about yourself, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) At this point, you knew what you were getting into. (laughs) My name is Sam Dingman. This is Alan Smith. We'll be getting stupid with you again next week. We're so sorry. <laughs> <laughs>